um, far from being demeaning and belittling scripture, when we really st- look at scripture and study out our Bibles, we, c- we find that it often goes out of its way. God goes out of his way to exalt us as women, to exalt our roles in society and family, and to acknowledge the importance of a woman's influence on her family and also on her community. And as I said, for the next six weeks, I hope to examine the lives of six biblical, six or more. If I have, if I can, I might try and do two, two per session if God, you know, if, if time permits. But um, at least six godly women that will perfectly inspire us with their examples of courage, of um, faith, and of selflessness. But I, I want to just talk about first and foremost what kind of the backdrop of how women were viewed prior to the 20th century, Um, looking even to the times when these women lived uh, during the Roman and the Greek uh, empires. And let's, I I was able to do some research. I got, I used an author by the name of Alan Schmidt that helped me gather some of this information just to give credit to the, 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 uh, the source where I gathered some of this information. But let's just, take, let's just take a look at the cultural backdrop of the status of women. In ancient Greece, a, res- a respectable woman was not allowed to leave the house unless she was accompanied by a trustworthy male escort. So either her brother, her dad, or obviously her husband. A wife was not permitted to eat or interact with male guests in her husband's home. She had to retire to her woman's quarters. So a woman was not allowed to even eat food with other males in the house that were not her husband. And men kept their wives under lock and key and women had the social status of a slave. They weren't obviously allowed to vote, et cetera. They weren't allowed to be educated. Men, uh, girls were not allowed to go to school. And when they grew up, they were not allowed to speak in public. Women were certainly considered inferior to men. And the Greek poets equated women with evil. When we all re- I don't know if you remember studying about Pandora's box in, uh, in, in um, senior school, but that really talks about how it was a woman's fault that she unleashed evil onto the world. In the Roman Empire, women were also considered a very, very low status. Roman law placed a wife under the absolute control of her husband who had ownership of her, just like property. And he also had ownership of all her possessions. He could divorce her at any time. And he could even divorce her if she went out in public without a veil. A husband had the power of life and death over his wife, just as he did his children. As with the Greeks, women were not allowed to speak in public. Even to this day, if we visit some third world and Middle Eastern countries, we really understand the value or the the demoral value of women. In many Islamic countries that hold to uh, the Quran strongly and adhere to, to, uh, to Islam strongly, a man has the right to beat and sexually uh, desert his wife with the, with the full support of the Quran, 
women, obviously, when they appear in public, must wear a veil. And in some Arab countries, women are barred from driving even an automobile. What is great is that once Christianity started to grow and spread throughout the world, and as we understand, even in the, I'm not going to get into the elevation of Jesus, of how Jesus elevated women in the Bible, because we've gone over that quite a few times. But we see that Christianity had such a redemptive effect on women, the, the status of women, wherever it went, wherever it spread. The, Christ, the Christian ethic declared equal worth and value for both men and women. Husbands were commanded to love their wives and not exacerbate their children. These principles were in direct conflict with the Roman institution of patria potestas, which gave absolute power, as I said earlier, of life and death over a man's family. When patria potestas was finally repealed by an emperor of Rome who was moved by high biblical standards, it had a tremendous effect on cultural women, and they were granted basically the same control over property as men, as what we have today. And the, for the first time, mothers were allowed to become guardians of their children. Before that, children went to their men, went to their dads, and women had no right over her children. Can you imagine? The Roman Emperor Constantine, which we know from the church study, don't we, ladies? He was converted in 312 AD. We understand, remember, that he brought Christianity to become a legal status. So he made all Romans basically Christians. And this became the dominant region actually in the whole Roman Empire. And as a result of him becoming a Christian, Rome passed laws recognizing also the property rights of women. And the legislation regarding marriage was revived revised and new laws made divorce more difficult, protecting wives' legal rights if their husbands were unfaithful. So no matter what the world may say about Christianity being sexist or Paul being a sexist or Christianity may, being archaic, in fact, Christianity is probably one of the most modern concepts in the world as far as it comes to women and everything else as far as human rights christianity and think about this this is a 2000 year old plus document is extremely modernized and egalitarian in his perspective and you've got to understand and and really embrace the profound concept of this because we are shaped by our culture whether we like it or not we are shaped to our education, whether we like it or not. Yet the Bible was able to transcend culture in such a profound way, in such a profound way that I cannot help but fall on my knees and worship God in his wisdom and understanding of humanity. You know, we, in many ways, because of science, we have, been, you know, we, we, we think we, we've just been indoctrinated with understanding that we have evolved as humans and and yet we have not we've actually dis dissolved <laughs> whatever the opposite of evolve someone some science princess or novella please help me there we've dissolved actually we've become less human 
devolve. Thank you, Jen Watkins. <laughs> I didn't know that was a word. Now we know. Another word, devolved. Oh, my days. Humanity has devolved because we're throwing out Christianity. And it, it's certainly a tactic of an, an, an arrow of Satan to pierce women's hearts and to, for us to, and for us to really be suspicious of church and the Bible and God, um, thinking that God and the Bible and church somehow hate women and um, want women to kind of just be barefoot and pregnant, God forbid. Um, you know, so I just really, I find that extremely inspiring about God, that he transcends culture and he is the ultimate of all the, the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God in the Bible sisters is the most evolved thought process the most evolved perspective you will ever find and we, we, we it is the epitome of love of wisdom of equality of care concern compassion of charity that you will ever ever lay your hands on and we have this precious gift at our disposal it's just fires me up but let's talk about women let's talk about women and what does god say and let's be inspired by what he says well from the very beginning we know from the very very first chapter god talks about us god talks about men and he talks about women and he basically lays out his whole plan for humanity he says Guys, I've created a man and a woman equally in my image to go and spread my image, my character, my qualities, my wisdom, my love throughout the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. God's plan was for us to be image bearers, to bring God's qualities to the ends of the earth. It was the plan of the beginning and it is the plan for the end. And when we become born again Christians, when we get baptized, we, we get restored in our mindset and we, we, we get to grasp the reality of our, our true godliness, our true image, and become those image bearers in this dark world and in this very fallen world. And in Genesis one twenty seven is the scripture that I just referred to. It says, God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. More or less image of God than the other. I think we get caught up as women in chapter two. All's good in chapter one, but then we get caught up in chapter two when we read in verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And this is where we get caught up. Genesis 2.18. We get caught up because suddenly we start to see, well, hang on a second. I'm created equally in God's image, but I have to help. And we, we, we look at that. And this is a lot for the, I know I've spoken about this. We've got a lot of young Christians, so I'm going to explain it to you guys as well because it's very important to understand and especially newly married we can instantly get a bit of a bad attitude with that word the help <laughs> the helper because we suddenly feel like a 
a butler or a waitress or a chauffeur or a maid or a servant or a slave. And as I said before, this word helper is found in Hebrew or is, is the root word of is, is the root word of this word is Hebrew, because the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and it is the word Azer. It's pronounced E-Z-E-R. Thanks, Rebecca. E-Z-E-R, and it's pronounced Azer, so A-Z-E-R, or A-Z, Z in English, UK. A-Z-E-R, Azer. And this word is, as I said, where we get the root word from helper or help. It's used 21 times in the Old Testament. Twice it's referred to in the con as the woman being the helper to the man. But get this, 16 times out of the 21, it is used in reference to God, to God as our Azer. So God doesn't use this word in a demeaning way as we would consider oh she's just the help she's just the maid no rather he uses it in a very very life-giving life-saving concept god helps us he's our azer often at times we need to be saved in a salvation sense so it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a life saver suitable for him that is a nice, I think, a, a more biblical way of looking at this scripture and embracing the power and the extraordinary gift of being someone's helper. You know, when I love, um, I love this quote that I read today by, by someone. It just says, you don't have to play masculine to be a strong woman. We do not have to be a man. We do not have to embrace masculine qualities to be powerful, to be extraordinary, and to be strong, courageous, and influences in this world. You know, I pray that we can really, really embrace this concept of being a life saver, a life giver, to not only our husbands, but to also lost women in this world. Other areas that I want to show you how, even this is still very Old Testament times, how women were actively involved in life and how God elevated women is um, in the roles that women played in the religious life of Israel. Deuteronomy 16, 14, and there's many other, many, many, many more scriptures in this that talk about public worship and and i love how god i i didn't i didn't uh look it up but there's a great scripture that also talks about how god says when he's got the, the scrolls been found i think it's in ezra I don't, the scrolls been the the bible scrolls have been found again and they're like fired up oh my gosh it's been like lost for years and he says to bring out the men the women and even the little children and he goes ahead and reads it to the people it's really powerful but in deuteronomy 16 14 it says be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows who live in your towns. He says, come out and worship God. And I just love, again, I talked about how the Bible is such an evolved perspective and a very, very 
equalizing concept here that God says, not only sons and daughters, male and female, but he's so inclusive. He brings in the male and female slaves, the foreigners, and we can assume male and female foreigners, the fatherless who really were the bottom of the barrel and the widows who, again, were nothing in society's eyes. These women from all these castes, all these um, classes were actively accepted and actively involved in the religious part of life in Israel in the Old Testament times. Even in Nehemiah 8, 2 to 3, we see women building up the walls that had broken down in Jerusalem. In um, verse 2, it says, so on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which had which was made up of men and women, all who were able to understand. Again, we see public worship. Men and women were involved. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women. I don't think that's Nehemiah 8, is it? I don't think it is. That's not the script. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Women and other, is it? Am I on the right scripture? Yeah? Yeah, okay, good. Sorry, I thought I, I thought I misquoted. He read it aloud, verse three, he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced his square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Again, we see men and women. In Nehemiah 3.12, which was the scripture that I was going to refer to about building up the walls, uh, it says, Shalem, son of Halohesh, ruler of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And time and time again, and I'm going to go into some of the prophetesses in a second, women have incredible opportunities to really worship God and to really help build up the kingdom and I pray that none of, I, I just, and I spoke to the region leaders last week about just really going after finding women in their regions that can help build up the wall here in London and in the rest of Europe. And to really look for opportunities for each and every one of us on this Zoom call and beyond to have incredible roles, no matter, no matter how small or large, um, some, all of you can do something incredible to build up the wall. Each and every one of you have a special gift given to you and a special talent given to you by God that I pray that you will start praying about and talking to your region leader about how you can contribute. It doesn't have to be in a huge way. Start small. As I said, building that mountain or climbing that mountain is one step at a time. And we really need help as we grow as a church. We're going to really need help just in every area, um, in every facet, from social media, from uh, helping in kids ministry, for CR ministry, Bible talk leaders, uh, more deacons, more shepherds, mercy ambassadors, 
the list goes on and on. Um, song leaders, AMS, gosh, there's just so much. There's so much. Yeah, social media needs a lot of help. It is really, especially this year, and who knows how long we're going to stay in this kind of COVID environment. This is the only way we can reach people right now is really, well, it's actually the most effective way to reach people is through social media. So if you have any social media skills like Lady, uh, please, please, please speak to your region leader um, or Rachel or Shaney and um, just offer just some advice because a lot of us are just learning on the job uh, because we feel compelled to help, but we're not, not, none of us are so super expert at anything. So please, if you're good at anything, you've been trained, please, please, please help um, and help build up this wall because women have an extremely unique, unique opportunity. And I think you, you, women are more community oriented. Um, and I just think as we work together, it just makes the work a lot easier and much more fun. You know, as I mentioned about prophetesses, there were a number mentioned. Uh, I mean, there were yeah, there were a number mentioned in the Bible. We first and foremost, Miriam is probably the most famous of the prophetesses. She was also a songwriter. So hello, Josie, Rebecca, our AMS Hillary. Let's write some songs for God. Um, in, in Micah 6.4, actually, it honors her as one of Israel's leaders. It says, I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. Miriam holds a very, very special place in freeing the Israelites from slavery. And we also know about Deborah, who was raised up when, there, when no male leadership would do so. But she really, to me, exemplifies the heart of a godly, of godly female work leadership, because even back then, she knew her place. And she didn't, she didn't um, revel in being the leader and take advantage of the situation and kind of put any man down. In fact, she stood in the shadow of Barak and said, listen, I know what to do here, but I want you to go ahead and be the head of this battle. And um, it's really kudos to her. And, off, and yeah, it's just kudos to Deborah. And I think um, kudos to us women who, who, who can stand in the shadows and still be an incredible godly influence to our male leaders, whether they be Bible talk leaders, campus leaders, region leaders, or husbands. Another two other prophetesses, Huldah in the Old Testament and Isaiah's wife was also referred to as a prophetess. And in the New Testament, we remember Anna um, uh, and also Philip's daughters were all, uh, were all considered prophetesses. So women definitely had roles. I am going to talk, though, about since, you know, yeah, women had roles that were even considered leaders and prophetesses. But again, these were all under certain godly boundaries to protect and also to flourish male and female characteristics. Wives, um, I love how often wives and mothers are mentioned in the Bible. 
this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite lessons I ever did was a mother's heart. And I just, to this day, I still look back on that lesson because it inspires me about the heart of, 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 of mothers. And I think, again, every one of us on this Zoom call is a mother with a spiritual or a physical mother. Um, and one of God's, I'm going to get into it, but one of God's greatest qual, one of his, his heart is a heart. He, he actually, what's the word? He actually um, uses uh, feminine qualities to really illustrate his love for Israel, which is pretty powerful. But wives are, are seen in the Bible as cherished companions to their husbands and not merely possessions or glorified slaves as they were in Greek and Roman and even in some Islamic cultures today. Proverbs 12.4, we know it. It says a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. And the TPT version, which I discovered today, this particular proverb that I love it says the integrity and strength of a virtuous wife transforms her husband into an honored king and that to me really defines that concept of an azer a life giver we women have the power to transform our husbands and our brothers into honored kings. We can help transform them by our love, by our encouragement to become more and to become more extraordinary and to become more than what even they believed. That is the power of a godly woman's influence. In Proverbs 31.10, it says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. A virtuous wife, if you are a virtuous wife, you are more valuable. You are priceless in God's eyes. and You become priceless to your husband. He needs you. He wouldn't be the man he is today without your influence. And I am guaranteed that Michael Hart would not be here today if it wasn't for his virtuous wife, Maria, Years, decades and decades of nurturance, encouragement, faithfulness. And the same vice versa. Maria wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Michael. It's a team. Neither one could say one was more better. One was, oh, I knew, you know, you were 80% more of the marriage. Not at all. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a team effort, and it's the same in every area, church, every area, community. And Proverbs 18, 22, God says, you're, you're good. Man, it says, he who finds a wife finds what is good. That's how God feels about you as a woman. He's like, man, anyone finds a wife, you're lucky. You got a woman, and that's a good thing. Now you have a life giver. Now you have an azer to help you. You know, there's other biblical heroes that talk about their wives um, throughout the Old Testament. And, and really, we can think of Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, which have incredible stories of faith and courage. Two books of the Bible uh, are, are dedicated solely to the story of women, Esther and Ruth. 
powerful, powerful, powerful. In the home, mothers are lifted up and have this equal, equal responsibilities to raise and train their children. Proverbs 1.8, and it's repeated again, almost word for word, word for word in Proverbs 6.20. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. By no means do these scriptures say that the father's instruction is better than the mother's. Not at all. Both equally should be valued and obeyed and listened to. The Jews, they have a sweet saying to the effect that God could not be everywhere, so he made mothers. I just love that. And again, you all on here can become someone's spiritual mother. God wants to use the heart of motherhood to change the world, to influence the world, because the heart of a mother is the heart of a woman. The heart of a mother is how God expresses his love for us by using feminine metaphors and analogies. In Isaiah 49, God, God kind of uses, it says he's like a nursing mom, which some of us on here are still nursing. It says, Isaiah 49, verses 15 to 16. God uses a feminine metaphor here to show his love for Israel. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Isaiah 66, I don't have the verse for some reason. It says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. God is so inspired by a mother's heart, by a mother's love, by a mother's nurturance that he says, just like, because why? We're an image bearer. We have, the, we have the heart of God in us. And as a mother comforts a child, God's like, I'm the same. And we can all identify with being comforted by a mother or by a friend. You know what that feels like? And God says, I want to do the same for you. God even uses the image of giving birth. So he doesn't, you know, he doesn't look at feminine things as negative at all. He says in Isaiah 42, 14, Wow, a lot of Isaiah scriptures tonight. It says, for a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, <laughs> I gasp, and I pant. <laughs> and Rebecca's cringing right now because she knows that's very much in store in the next few days. <laughs> But Rebecca, I pray you will be encouraged that God knows your pain. <laughs> he identifies with your pain. And he too is like, man, just like a woman who's going to gasp and scream and shout, I'm, I'm going to shout at you, Israel, until, you know, can you just repent? <laughs> Isaiah 40, verse 11, it says, he takes care of his people like a shepherd. He gathers them like lambs in his arms and carries them close to him. He gently leads the mothers of the lambs. And I always share this scripture because when I was 
a mum with my first child. I was working full time. I was leading a region and uh, I had just I had taken my I had Michael Adrian at seven weeks. He was back in daycare and I was working full time as a manager. I was very, very working very, very hard. And I came across this scripture and I just bawled. I just cried my eyes out because I was like, oh, my gosh, God understands. Because, <laughs> you know, you just can't, you're just keeping it together by a shoestring. You're like praying on the way to work. You're like reading one scripture of the day and hoping that God just has mercy on you. <laughs> and he does. And he does. Because he says he gently leads the mothers of the, of the lambs. And he's, I, I, in other words, he gently leads those that, that have young. I think the NIV, this is a different version, but the NIV says he gently leads those that have young. So he gets it. He knows it's not easy staying afloat as a young mom. And God has mercy on women. God has mercy on us. He understands it's not easy. He just wants us to go to him and give him our burdens. Amen. You know, we think of Paul as a pretty tough, hardline guy, but he uses again, just like God, he also uses the heart of a mother to convey his love for the Thessalonian church. In First Thessalonians 2, verse 7 through 8, he says, instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. In Romans 16, 13, Paul says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. Paul was arguably one of the most successful missionaries of all time. Yet it was Rufus, Rufus's mother that influenced him and encouraged him and impacted him. He needed her in his life. She's mentioned in scripture. This is the power that women have to change the world by our love and by our incredibly unique qualities. As women, as I said, we, I believe we have so much power and potential. I challenge you sisters to accept God's truth tonight and as we study out women and to demolish any lie that your role as a woman is of any lesser value than a man. I can go on and on, um, but I just want to address one other thing before I close out and, and you guys can split up into D groups. But I want to just talk about roles um, because I think as young Christians, sometimes we can have questions coming from different denominations and different churches where we, where we, um, uh, can uh, see maybe women in different roles of leadership. Uh, often women are pastors um, or they have different roles. So it can be confusing because uh, because we're a Bible church, we don't have women as pastors. Um, so I just want to kind of address that tonight um, to help you guys understand where that is coming from. First and foremost, um, let's see. Okay. Write these down and you can study them out. It, these are an, about 10 or 11 scriptures. I'm just going to quote that 
highlight women and how they were used vi as vital roles in the early Christian church. So Acts 1, 12 to 14, Acts 9, 36 to 42, Acts 16, 13 to 15, Acts 17, 1 through 4, Acts 17, 10 through 12, Acts 18, 1 through 2, Acts 18, 18, Acts 18, 24 to 28, Romans 16, that whole chapter talks about how many tons of women that helped in Paul's ministry. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, 2 Timothy 1, 5, and 2 Timothy 4, 19. That's a lot of scripture about how women shaped and were vital to the early church. And Ashley is working hard with her little fingers there, trying to get it all down. <laughs> we, we forgive you, Ashley. <laughs> okay, out of all these scriptures, however, not one, not one says that a woman was in leadership. The apostles were all men. And the chief, the chief missionary activities, all the missionary trips were done by men, mostly by Paul, but they were done by men. The writing of not only the New, but the Old Testament are all written by men, and God used men to write them. And the leadership of the churches were entrusted to men. Now, that doesn't say that Jesus did not like women. Don't go there, because I can, I can go on and on about how he spoke to Samaritan women and how he you know, elevated women, how he even had women that he taught as a rabbi. But as far as leadership in the church, we do not see it in the Bible, even though we're made in God's image and we're equal to men. And Paul, he respected women a great deal, as I said earlier in Romans 16, and in Rufus's mother, the influence of Rufus's mother on him was profound and uh, helped Paul a lot with furthering the gospel. Um, he never, ever appointed elders or pastors as women. Now, he did say, and they were referenced um, when he said to appoint elders, and he did reference a couple of times that their wives need not to be malicious talkers, et cetera, et cetera. But he never, ever elevated women to the role of leadership. He gave them distinctive roles, as in 1 Timothy 3.11, but he very explicitly says that women were not able or not able to, were not to, excuse me, women were not to teach or exercise authority over men. 1 Timothy 2.12. 1 Timothy 2.12 is the scripture that we use amidst this backdrop of evidence. You know, we're not just taking one scripture and saying it just says right here that women against the evidence of the New Testament backdrop of women's roles in the church is very clear that women should not be pastors or over over men in the church. Now, I'm a women's ministry leader and I have a lot of roles that a pastor would actually have. But one area I do not have a role over is any men's ministry. I am not permitted as a woman to teach a man. However, as a mum. In the church, I have shared scriptures with brothers to encourage them and to influence their thinking, um, to help them understand my perspective, but I have no right to exercise my authority. And I feel great about that. Um, women, however, as a women's ministry leader or as a Bible talk leader or as a discipler, I have an incredible opportunity 
to do a lot in the church. In fact, half the church being female is where I can do a lot of work. So if I want to work hard for God, let's just focus on the females who mostly make up about 50% of any church and I will have work cut out for the rest of my life. <laughs> in Titus 2, 3 to 5, women are given the role of leading younger women. And I actually influence some older women as well. Um, and I do that respectfully. I do that respectfully. But in Titus 2, 3, 5, that is the ministry of women to teach the younger women. And in this case, we can e easily argue that younger women sometimes as Naomi, as a very young woman under 30, is actually teaching some older women in age. Um, and that is okay, given the context of her leadership scope. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, uh, and then, um, let's see, I'm nearly done. Ah, I think that's it, actually. There's just a lot of nice fluff here at the end, but um, I don't think we need to get into that because it is um, 8.30. But, yeah, ultimately, um, I am excited to start this series. The first woman that we will study out is Eve, and we will, for the next midweek, have you guys going into your region. So um, there will be some regional uh, midweeks just to keep it um, nice and intimate at times and then we'll have the larger like tonight where we're almost 120 people uh, re, uh, congregational uh, so we'll go we'll flip uh, uh, and that will help uh, help the other leaders as well raise up and speak so next midweek well, well your region leaders will be teaching you guys on Eve and her incredible example of faith and becoming the mother of all really which is her name what her name means and tonight i want you to just some practicals um not only as i said earlier to embrace god's um plan for you as women to really 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 let it get sink down into your core um, and to really uh refute any satanic or feminist or worldly perspectives or ideas you have and if you have any to just get open and you know study we will help study you study this out so that you can really enjoy your god-given role and and purpose um but my practical is to also to recommit yourself to reading the bible in a year i hope you haven't guys haven't dropped dropped the uh, ball here if you have it's okay we're still early days. We're still in January. Just recommit yourself. Just be like, okay, just get back on the wagon to three, four to five, four to six chapters a day. Also, um, I'd love for you guys tonight as you um, come into the group, because this is more of an introduction. Uh, maybe it might not have pulled out anything deep, but go through names of women in your phone or um, in that you want to invite to Sunday service. So it just gives you a few minutes to just sit down, um, undistracted and think, okay, who can I invite? And just make a list of at least 10 people that you can just send a invitation to for congregational service. Um, and then I said to ask someone in your region 
to make a cool digital flyer that you can post on social media. So I wanna see at least four coming out of all the regions, um, just so that we can start to see uh, who we have out there that are good at doing this kind of stuff. Cause you know, I, I throw the ball to Rebecca, but often just to make these midweek things and she does a great job. So I'm trying to do them myself on my little Instagram. However, um, Re Rebecca is going into, you know, going to have a baby any day soon. So those, those of us, again, as I said, who have talent in this area, um, put your hand up tonight and, and, and take a leap of faith and make a little digital flyer if you can today or tomorrow and use it in your region so that we can also use it and post it on all of our social media platforms, inviting people to congregational service and just make mention there that it's completely 100% COVID safe. Uh, or COVID regulated, however you want to word it. Um, but yeah, I hope tonight that you have a conviction that Christianity is the best thing that ever happened to women, uh, elevating us to our true, true godly purpose uh, and the beauty of our feminine, femininity um, is just extraordinary. And I pray that it inspires you to be an extraordinary woman for God. Amen. To God be the glory. <laughs>